If you're new with us, we started a two-week teaching series last week called Pit Stop, prioritizing pit stops in your life to rest with Christ, finding rest in the race. That's what we talked about week one. And what we really wanted to do tonight as we finish this short teaching series is have a different worship and prayer environment. I'm not going to speak for longer than 20 minutes at any given moment. Isn't that cool? And we're going to have uh, different sessions of worship and intentional prayer tonight. I think it's going to be really powerful. And I was thinking about those pit stops we discussed about reading God's word, about prayer, about worship, about spiritual disciplines, and the importance of prioritizing getting off the track every once in a while. If we don't want to blow our tires out and run out of gas to actually go into the pit row and be filled back up with the Lord. And so tonight, what I really wanted to focus on that I think could be one of the most world-changing things we could do as a church. In fact, online, I've been communicating that I think tonight could be one of those nights that we talk about for months, weeks, even years to come. As we allow the, the, the Holy Spirit that is here with us right now in the room, we believe, to worship him, to hear from him, to study his word together. And here's the sermon title for those taking notes. You can't take notes for those here or watching online. Prioritizing praying with purpose. Prioritizing praying with purpose. If you want to write that down. I encourage you. In fact, did you say prioritizing prayer with purpose? <laughs> I have no idea what you said. What did you say? Prioritizing praying with purpose, Josh. Prioritizing praying with purpose. Yes, that's like the, that. the title like of the sermon. What are you eating? These perfectly placed pretzels I just found <laughs> by the piano. Me and Isaiah are pounding them. <laughs> I knew this was a bad idea, Matt. But... Yeah. So I get it. You're saying P words because my sermon title <laughs> is prioritizing praying with purpose. So... I'm doing a transliteration, so that's your, your saying P words? Possibly, yeah. <laughs> I can't get it to go out. Well, uh, if it's okay, man, I got a lot to get into, and we want to work. No, no, preach on, preacher. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it would be easier. Can we, can we just mute his microphone for a second, and I'll just maybe take some of these away? Or I could one-up you. Hey, hey, okay. So P words, uh, I do this every day. I know you think prioritizing prayer with purpose is like a, a big deal. Check this out, Eric. This is for you. Peter Piper, the pickle pepper picker, picked a peck of pickle peppers. How many peppers did Peter Piper, the pickle pepper picker, pick? If Peter Piper, the uh, pickle pepper picker, picked a peck of pickle peppers. Woo! Whoa, that's like giving him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Watch out. You can eat the pretzels. Try it with pretzels in your mouth. Turn the microphone off, though. But we are going to have some fun with tonight's sermon titles. And Eric, I can't wait until you see the rest of this. Turn to Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 23. We're going to look at the disciples in the early church and see how they prioritized praying with purpose. And I think it will be powerful. Here we go. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. If you're new to the Bible or to Christianity or you're engaging online right now and attending that way, we want you to know that Scripture is pretty clear about what happens in the early church. We get a lot of details in those first few hundred days. When Jesus is crucified and resurrected, resurrected and his body is no longer in the tomb, the disciples encounter him. 
He ascends to the right hand of the Father on the day of Pentecost that we celebrated last weekend when the Holy Spirit was given to the early church. They were praying 50 days after the Passover, 50 days since the crucifixion. And at this time now, the Holy Spirit was given, and then Peter preaches to thousands of people, and 3,000 people come to know the Lord. And so now there is thousands of people in Jerusalem in the early church. There is an upheaval of the Jewish community occurring. And what happens in this passage is Peter and John are thrown into jail because of how they've been living their faith out. Verse 24, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. They quote David in the Old Testament that these rulers often do evil things. And then they give the example here. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. And I, whenever we came up with the name Mercy Road Church, and we often would preach about the early church and how it was formed, I'll never forget the first time we preached out of Acts chapter 4. This is where we got our whole statement of living boldly and loving deeply. And I've always focused on that they prayed for more boldness after they got out of jail for their boldness. But what I haven't focused on enough was the fact that they were praying for that. The intentionality of the early church's prayer life is incredible. And that's what I would like to, to focus on. They say, verse 30, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God more boldly. They were empowered by the Spirit. We're going to pray, but before I do, I want to let you know, uh, next week is student takeover weekend for all the students out there. Don't miss it. The week after that, we kick off our summer teaching series. It's got a whole camping theme for the whole family. You're not going to want to miss it. Bring your friends. It's called Ghost Stories, a study of the Holy Spirit, the very thing we're going to be talking about tonight. Will you pray with me? Let's pray together. God, we just pause. I thank you for every person who is here at this service right now. We acknowledge the presence of your Holy Spirit, that you're still living and active and working today. For those attending and engaging online right now from different parts of the world, we, we invite you into those homes. We pray, God, that you would speak to our very souls and that we would learn to pray with intentionality, that we would prioritize praying with purpose. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. I'll never forget one of the first times I really tried overwhelmingly intentional prayer. I had been a Christian for a little while and was working as a camp counselor at a Christian sports camp that does exist in Missouri. And if you've never been to Missouri in the summertime near Branson, it is literally 90 to 100 degrees, 100% humidity. You've been there? It is warm, man. You sweat like crazy. And I was a counselor there, and I decided to do something that was abnormal when you are in the heat, and that is to give up some food. And I'll tell you why I did that. 
I, I was uh, about 19 years old, and I had a co-counselor who was working with me, and we would get a new cabin of high school students every 20-some days. And we would have all those days to play sports with them, hang out, and we would share our faith with them during that time. They'd come from all over the country and even the world to participate in this camp. And one day, uh, the, the, the campers were getting off of a bus, and this one kid gets off. And at this camp, they had a lot of rules because you're there for so long. They don't allow you to have any headphones or uh, back then we had CD players or Walkmans. You remember those? Man, you like ancient now. Some of you had eight-track players out there. Come on now. Some of you could spin the vinyl a little bit. Anybody? Yeah, come on now. That's making a comeback. I don't think CDs are ever going to come back, but that vinyl, it's still popular. So this kid gets off the bus. His name is Joey. And Joey literally was one of the funnest kids. He just was super laid back. Everybody loved Joey. But he gets off with headphones on, and he's just rock. He's beating out to the, to the song. This is a while ago. And I'm like, uh, he's just asking for trouble. Because he's been to this camp before. He knows he couldn't do that. And I come up to him, and I'm like, what are you listening to? He's like, Slim Shady. I'm like, okay, okay. You're an Eminem fan? No. I'm a follower of Eminem. <laughs> I am a disciple of Marshall Mathers. And it's just because he, he's the real Slim Shady. No other Slim Shadies, right? And so he knew I didn't do it, but somebody had to take the headset away. And, and Joey, we had fun for the weeks he was there. And I can remember praying that, God, would you please open, make yourself clear to Joey? Because he wasn't a Christian. He wasn't a believer. And you may not be here watching online. You're not a believer. You go, well, why would you pray for somebody? Because we believe as Christians that because of the crucifixion of Jesus, that we can be forgiven for our mistakes, that we could be in the presence of a perfect God. We believe because of his resurrection from the grave, that we can spend eternity with God in paradise, new heaven, and new earth and that we can experience God in our life now. And our role as Christians is to usher in the kingdom of God at hand in our lifetime, that where there's hurting and brokenness, we are called to be the difference makers. So there's a reason I wanted to share this with Joey. And I, I was talking to him, and he just never really wanted to hear any of it. And so finally, my co-counselor, Ricky, and I, we decided we were going to uh, fast, which was not something I'd ever really done before, until, get this, give up food, where it was like 90 degrees, 100% humidity, we're playing sports all day long, we literally eat like 4,000 calories, and we would do that until Joey came to give his life to Christ. <laughs> and I don't share that with pride or anything, because man, I failed miserably. I, I did it for about 24 hours, uh, my co-counselor and I, and we really felt like God was releasing us from that, and we had made clear to the Lord that we really wanted to see Joey come to know Jesus. It was super hard. And that next day, Joey didn't come to faith. Or the next day. Or the next day. For the rest of camp, no change with Joey. At all. About six months later, actually it was probably about a year later, I got an email from Joey telling me and Ricky, the co-counselor, that a, a couple of months ago, he had gone to a church worship service and he had surrendered his life to Jesus Christ and he spent the last few months changing his life and trying to live differently. I, I don't know what your prayer concerns are, what you're asking for the Lord, but I believe if you are prioritizing praying with purpose, you will see God begin to answer prayers in your life. And so in the short time I've got, I want to share that with you. It's, not, it's in Acts chapter 4, I'll show you, and, and in some other places in the book of Acts. You see how Peter... And the apostles prioritized prayer with purpose. See where I'm going? 
Uh, number one, they prayed for the power of God. They prayed for the power of God. I skip over that a lot, but I mentioned it in Acts chapter 4, verse 28. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand. This is where the power comes from. To heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I've shared this before, but I'll never forget one of the most life-shattering, amazing moments with God I've ever had was when this church was about two years old. It was actually our two-year birthday bash at the old building on College Avenue where we all just like crammed in and sometimes people would sit on the floor like this. And I'll never forget, we baptized 12 people one day in a horse trough uh, in the lobby. Anybody there that day? You remember those days? I've shared this story before, but whenever I think of this passage, I think of that because at the end of the 12th baptism, all of a sudden, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, and I don't like talking about this kind of stuff, but I am telling you, if you were there that day, you can agree with me, the building shook. The building shook. And, and, yeah, CJ, you were there. And, and I'll never forget, I didn't go, the Lord is here, it's Acts chapter 4 all over again. I, I, yeah, I literally went like this. I went, someone called the engineer that owns this building, something's wrong with the building. I'm not, I did. And I thought, well, was there an earthquake? And I, living in California for seven years, I know how to check that. Nope, no earthquake. And then we contacted the engineer. They checked the whole structure of the building out. Nothing wrong with the building at all. And so to this day, you call me crazy. I really believe the Lord, when we baptized 12 people on our second birthday, it was a life-changing moment in the life of our church. It's really when we began to grow explosively. I believe God actually shook that building because the power of God was there. You may be newer to this whole thing. You're not there yet. It's cool. But I just want to tell you, I, I experienced something like that. And too often in our prayer lives, we're praying for things like we want more money or more possessions or more pleasure. What if we prayed for the power of God in our lives? We prayed for that. That's a scary prayer, though, isn't it? For the power of God to be in your life, in your workplace, in your home life, in the different places that you live every day. What would that look like? The second point, if you're taking notes of how Peter and the apostles prioritized praying with purpose, is they prayed for the impossible. I'm going for it, baby. They prayed for the impossible. You see, later on, it's not just in Acts 4, Acts chapter 12, verse 5. I'm going to read this quickly. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God. If you want to underline or circle in Acts chapter 12 or write down in verse 5 that they were earnestly praying to God. It's what this whole passage hinges on. For him, they were praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Peter's in trouble again. He's in prison again, and they're going to pray for him again. Look what happens next here. Verse 7, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of the one street, suddenly the angel left him. So he thinks he's just sleepwalking or having a dream or something. And then verse 11, then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt 
that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. She couldn't believe it. This is impossible. No way. He's at the door. He was in prison. Two guards sitting next to me. He had, he had things. That he, had, uh, uh, he was chained around his wrists. And he's now standing at our front door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. They couldn't believe. They specifically prayed earnestly, if you remember, for the situation that Peter would be freed, and that very night, an angel of the Lord comes and frees him, and he literally is knocking on the door. That's what God did. Do you believe in the power of prayer? That when you pray with purpose, with intentionality, that God could actually do the impossible. Because it happens in this passage. They couldn't even believe it. The big question I want to ask you here is, do you purposefully pray for what seems impossible in your life? What right now seems impossible? I know some of you are thinking, my marriage will never get better. It just is what it is. That's how it's going to be. That's how it always has been, and it's always going to be that way. Do you believe in praying for the impossible, purposely praying for what seems impossible in your life? In fact, I want to leave that question up there for just a second, because some of you in your life, you, you actually feel like I could never trust the Lord in the area of my, my home or my finances or in the workplace I could never see God transform my eating habits. I could never see God uh, make me physically or emotionally healthy. I could never see the lust that I struggle with. I could never find victory or even freedom from that in my life. I'll never have healthy dating patterns. I'm just always going, do you purposely pray for what seems impossible in your life? Begin to write them down, man. Do whatever you got to do to remember it. Put it in your calendar and pray with purpose and intentionality over that. We're not just going to talk about doing it. We're actually going to do it. We must pray with purpose for the impossible. For God, for others, for God's church, for our relationship with our Heavenly Father, we must be intentional and pray for these things. So I'm going to invite you to stand back up here. I'm going to hand off to Eric and Luke, and they're going to lead just a special time of intentional worship and prayer. It's going to be a little different. Eric's going to be on acoustic here or on the the piano back there. And Luke's going to be calling out things to be praying for as we worship together.
Holy Spirit is, is here and he is tangible and we can interact with him because he is a person, he is God. And the Holy Spirit enables us to pray. The Holy Spirit gives us the words to say, but we must listen and be available for him to give us pure hearts and clear minds. So take a moment right now and ask the Holy Spirit, Spirit, clear out my mind. Wash over my heart. Make me available for you in ways I could never make myself available for you. So that we might have this cosmic connection with the almighty God who looks down at us and says, yeah, I love you. I like you. I want to talk with you. I want you to trust me. I want to have conversations with you. So in these next few moments, I would just ask for you to trust that the Holy Spirit does what we need him to do for us to speak with him in tangible and powerful ways. Yes, Jesus, we trust you. Church, take this moment and, and meditate and reflect on who your friends are, your family and your children, your co-workers, and lift them up in prayer to the almighty God who loves them too. And stand in between them and Jesus and prayerfully ask that they might know him intimately and powerfully so that their lives might be transformed forever the way that yours has. Pray for others, church.
church right now I want you to reflect on the fact that we are not the only local church in this state we're not the only local church in this country we're not the only local church in this world and God wants to use all different kinds of churches to reach all different kinds of people and yeah I might have a bias to Mercy Road and you may you may too but get right now church I pray and I'm asking you to pray for God's church globally Ask God's plan A for salvation to be ushered through the local church across this world. Because we can interact and connect with the Almighty God through prayer. There's this cosmic connection that right now we can ask God to do through His local church across the globe what He's always wanted it to do. Pray for that church. Pray for the church. church I reflect on the fact that God has used Mercy Road Church in exponential and unexpected ways these past seven years God right now we offer up Mercy Road as a sacrifice to you use this church use this church to transform this city and transform this state church would you play, pray right now that God would use Mercy Road Church the way that he always dreamt of using Mercy Road Church. Pray for our outposts. Specifically pray for our outposts, for our huddles. Specifically pray that God would lead us to the right person for our new discipleship pastor. God, we offer all these prayers to you in great love and expectation. And we right now, together as a church, come before you on our knees asking that you would use Mercy Road Church to transform this world and especially this city. Church, pray. Pray God would use Mercy Road Church. 
Pray for the outposts. Pray for the huddles. Pray, church. I think it's easy sometimes for us to get really used to praying for everything and everyone and all of a sudden years go by and we've not yet prayed for ourselves we desperately need what God gives freely church pray for yourself in these next moments pray that we would have the wisdom to have regular pit stops with God that we would trust that prayer asking him to do the powerful impossible things in our life is truly possible for him that it's no big thing for him what seems impossible for us is entirely possible for our God pray for yourself you might in this moment for the first time in your life speak with God and ask Him to do inside of you what you wish you could do for yourself but simply cannot. Church, pray for yourself. Pray for yourself, church. we just praise you tonight we want we want more and more and more of you God God I confess my short short memory God for all the times that you've met me in impossible prayers God God that I got to tuck in three beautiful children that the doctors told me would be impossible to have before I came here tonight God you are so big you always meet us lord and i confess that i don't always act like you do when i come to you in prayer god i pray for the people tonight who like pastor luke just said might be talking to you for the first time and god i pray that however it is you're meeting them whether it's a whisper whether it's a roar god however it is that you meet them gently 
and that as the week goes on, they hear it again and again and again from so many places, God, that it's undeniable that it's you and you call them back to talk again. God, and you just meet them right where they are. And I pray for those of us who've been talking to you for a long time, that this week you call us to pray in a different way, God. If we're always only praying for ourselves, you call us just to talk. And if we're always just praying for other people, you gently guide us to pray for ourselves. God, you're so big. Thank you. Thank you for Mercy Road. Thank you for everyone here tonight. You can remain standing. In fact, I'm going to invite you to come back forward here in, in a moment. We're going to go back into worship and just want to keep as we're here together, um, looking at the book of Acts, talking about praying with purpose. The last one's a really quick point. They prayed with purpose and their needs were met. Their needs were met. You know, sometimes I think I feel like I afraid to pray with purpose and intentionality. Because what if God doesn't answer my prayers? What if God answers my prayers in a way I didn't want him to? What if it actually requires something of me to change? And I want to pray for my marriage because what then they won't understand what they did wrong. I don't want to pray for the lust issues because man, I, that is fulfilling me in the short period of time. I don't want to pray for the, the issues that I'm facing in my life because I like some of those things. Praying with purpose makes a difference. They prayed with purpose and their needs were met. Acts chapter 16, verse 13. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city. And this is important because by Acts chapter 16, the church has spread rapidly, and it was on the Sabbath, the day of rest, and they end up in the city of Philippi, where God had told them to go into Macedonia in a vision. And they've had the audacity to believe that God actually spoke to them, and so they dropped where they were going to go, and they went to Macedonia, to the city of Philippi, where they knew nobody. And the day of rest comes... And so they're naturally going to connect with the Lord. They're having their pit stop. And look what happens where we expected to find a place of prayer. They wanted to go to the river to pray. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Lydia will become the home that the church in Philippi, the very first church ever in Macedonia, of that whole region, is started. And all they did was listen to the Lord in prayer. They go to have their pit stop, and God naturally connects with them. And he doesn't just provide for the ministry. He does that. He gives them one of the best church plants they will have in Paul's life. He will write to the church in Philippi in the early 60s AD from a prison cell and just brag about them. I pray with pure joy, he says, because of our partnership in the gospel. And it all started with them having a pit stop. 
and the Lord providing for them. And he didn't just meet their spiritual needs or their ministerial needs. He met their physical needs. If you missed that last verse there, she said, come and stay at my house. I know you don't have a place to sleep or any food to eat. I know you came here going, well, how are we going to provide? We don't know anybody there. And the Lord went before you and he provided a way. If we pray with purpose, our needs will be met along the way in the process. Don't be fearful. Don't be ashamed. I'll conclude with these two things. One, I'm going to miss Pastor Nick. But you know, when we hired Nick Sefton five years ago, we hired him, and the next like week, we found out, and I won't share details, but 40% of the resources we had been getting would no longer be coming in. We were a one-year-old church plant of about 125 to 150 people. That was a really, really big deal. So not only did we not have money to pay Pastor Nick, we didn't even have money to pay basic things. And I was prepared to go into our board meeting and just tell everybody, we got to cut the budget, we got to do all of this stuff. And God really convicted me. We had gone through a year of praying for our son and seeing him come full term and being born and, and seeing God do some small miracles in our life and leading people to the Lord for that. And it began to think, gosh, if God could get us through that and eventually losing our son, he could get us through this. And so we went into that board meeting and we all decided we are going to begin to pray with purpose and intentionality that God will provide the resources necessary. And when we come back in a month, we'll pray that God has done that. That next month, when we came back together, we had had the biggest giving month in the history of Mercy Road Church at that point. And I, it wasn't any specific way. Nobody did something crazy. It just, the church grew and people began to get invested. Uh, when we started the church uh, and it grew and we were at the school and then we went to this little lease building and then we were going to purchase this property we, we were told we could only raise $250,000 if we did the most excellent job ever. We told the church, we've been told we could only raise this, but we researched it would take at least $700,000 to either have a down payment or completely renovate a long-term low lease facility. And so we just want to tell you that and say that we think we should try and raise $700,000. You all, the church raised $900,000 over that period. And so I know, I know that God can provide and he can meet our needs and he can care for us in the process. Mercy Road Church was actually started with a prayer. Well, if you know that, I was working at a, a mega church in Southern California for seven years and the economy was down and I got a free ticket to go to a conference outside of Atlanta, Georgia. And I went to it because it was free. And at that particular conference, the pastor preached and spoke right to me. I went to my hotel room that night. I got down on my knees and I, I don't uh, want to over-exaggerate this. I don't want to embellish it. I don't like, I'm not naturally someone who talks like this, but in that moment, I believe that not the audible voice of the Lord, but God directly spoke to me to move to Indiana, start a church, and three friends of mine from high school would help us, which made no sense. One of them wasn't a Christian, one of them had recently gone through a divorce and lived in Southern California. And I sent an email to 40 people and only three people responded that if we moved to Indiana, they would help us start a church. And it was those three friends of mine from high school that the Lord told us would help us start the church. I hadn't told them that. 
Those two people I mentioned, they've both been baptized in Mercy Road Church. The one who wasn't a Christian got baptized in that tank the night before his wedding. And then both of them are in my outpost right now. I believe in the power of praying when we pray with purpose, intentionality. What in your life right now, what needs do you need to pray for? How could you more fully live for the Lord if you saw him break through in an impossible way with the power of the Holy Spirit in something in your life right now that just seems like there's no way it could change? That coworker, that friend that you want to talk to, but you just can't seem to get through. What, what would it look like to purposefully pray for them? What would it look like to purposely pray for your kid that just seems like they're never going to get it or, or for your marriage or for all of the things I've described tonight to say, God, I can't follow you fully if I'm still struggling with the lust in my life. I can't follow you fully if I keep giving back into this addictive habit and you began to pray with intentionality and purpose that the Holy Spirit of God would break you in that area. I believe when we pray like that, he meets our needs and not just some of them every need that we have. I believe that our needs are met in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then if you pray with intentionality to receive him in your life, to receive all the fears and all the questions you've got, he's going to work and he's going to minister to you and he's going to provide the needs that you have. I guarantee you, but you got to pray to him. you got to reach out to him. He desires to converse with you. He doesn't want this one-sided conversation anymore with your back turned running away, being distracted by all the things that are busy in this world. He wants you to turn to him and say, I'm here. I need you. I want more of you in my life. That's what I believe he is a church, he's asking of our church. That in our time right now, so we have all these big things, a conference and a magazine, and we've got two open pastoral positions in our church. We're hiring a new pastor to outposts. It's a new role, and we're, we're talking about starting a campus in Fishers, and we're going to probably start that worship gathering on Sunday morning in this facility this coming August, and we're going to begin to prepare as we move. Like all these humongous things, but if we don't pray with purpose and intentionality in our individual lives for our church and the greater church as a whole, we're going to miss out on the power of the Holy Spirit being used in our lives. If, if we didn't get down on our knees and pray about those things, that would be my hope and my desire. Will you pray with me as we close in worship? I'm going to invite you to come on up, all the way up. And we're going to have our, our pastors and our prayer team be right on the front of the stage here. If you've got anything in particular you need prayer for, they would love to pray with you. No magic words, just the Spirit of God here with us. And we want to acknowledge that and pray for you. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, many of us as Christians, we, we know about the Bible. We know about your salvation, Jesus. But we don't allow your Holy Spirit to minister to us, to use us, to empower us. God, this summer, as we talk about that, may you change us to be more like you desire us to be. God, there are some of us in here that we don't pray with intentionality. Most of us don't ever do it enough, and we want to say that we need you. We need more of you. You meet all of the needs in our life. So we declare those things right now, not out loud, or if you want to, out loud, just declare the things you need of him in your life in order to more fully be used by him to make a greater impact. Pray it. Oh, holy God, we need you. We need more of you. You're the answer to our lives, to our culture, to our families, to our problems. We're going to stop running. We're going to turn to you. We need you. 
God, some of us, we have been turned away from you, and we've allowed things to keep us distracted enough that we don't ever really live for you. We don't talk to you. And maybe for somebody tonight, they're going to say, I am going to receive the gift of your Holy Spirit in my life. I'm going to receive the gift of your salvation found in Jesus Christ alone, that I can have eternal life, that it can spirit you, that I can talk back and hear from you. If that's you and you want to surrender everything in your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, I invite you to pray this with me right now. No, I'm not going to take it that easy. That's too easy tonight. Guys, get uncomfortably close with Jesus. If you want to receive Jesus Christ and begin to live for him in your life, I'm going to ask you to shoot a hand up here publicly. Do it, man. I'm not going to make you do anything, but I'm going to ask you to acknowledge it. I'm going to count up to three, and I'm going to ask you to raise it nice and high, and we're going to celebrate that you're actually saying, I need you, Lord. I want more of you, Jesus. I surrender my life to you. Use me. Empower me with your Holy Spirit. If that's you in the room, I'm going to count to three. Ready? Jesus loves you. One. Jesus is not done with you too. Jesus wants you to live the fullest life you can possible. Raise your hand high and I just want to celebrate. God, I don't know. There's so many hands there. I'll ask the team to count. I don't know what's going on. And some of them, maybe they're recommitting their life or some are asking to be used by your Holy Spirit or, or some are surrendering their life and beginning a relationship with you. May you honor that. May you use it for years and decades to come. May we become the world changers because we're empowered. We put gasoline on a fire and it's your Holy Spirit. You actually in our lives. We pray with purpose and prioritize it, God. We love you. We declare you Lord of this place. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all of God's family said.